I was really fascinated by how you would take a you know a restaurant recipe, try and maintain the integrity of what that recipe is, you know, with like the, the process and the ingredients, and then how to learn how to formulate that into a processed good, how to keep the integrity of still being like a, a chef created recipe. So that was the challenge that I had. Instead of cooking, you become a processor. That was the mission statement of how do I make manufactured goods taste like they came from your restaurant. From Community Futures Center West, it's Mind Your Rural Business, a show about building a thriving business from even the smallest town. Today, we hear how Bow Valley Barbecue's Jamie Ailes went from selling mason jars of homemade condiments at the back doors of Canmore restaurants to seeing his products on the shelves of grocery stores all across Canada. My dad was a chef, still is a chef, and so I started cooking at a really young age. I think the first meal I made for my mom that I can remember was a, when I was nine years old. My dad coached me over the phone on how to make her a rack of lamb with rice peel off and all this stuff. And I just, I've always had like this real passion for cooking and I love to eat too, so that helps. I started working in restaurants from the age of 12. Age 12, what were you allowed to do in a kitchen in a restaurant? Well, times have changed. Like when I was 12 years old, the first restaurant I worked at was the Pepper Mill, which was in Canmore and it was a Swiss run restaurant. So it was the, the Swiss chef owner in the back end and then his wife leading the service. And it was one of the nicer places in Canmore at the time. So I would help prep. I'd get there at five o'clock just after school. So I got to plate a few of the appetizers eventually and then, you know, mostly wash dishes. But I definitely had to get my parents to sign a waiver. They were happy to do so because I was really... I wanted to be at work. Like I wanted to, I wanted to be in a kitchen and I wanted to start getting paid. After high school, I went traveling. I, I did a cooking program in Thailand. I worked in Southeast Asia for a few months. I worked in Australia for months. And then I came back to Canada eventually after about a year and a half. And I, I just started working all over Western Canada, wherever I wanted to be, whether it was for skiing or, or summer season, I, I, I did so, um, wherever the, the coolest restaurants that I could find were that would have me. Where did you go? What kind of adventures did you have? I moved to Victoria because I wanted to live on the island and some friends and I were out there to, to play football. And Victoria has a wicked food scene. Even back, you know, this is like 25 years ago now. But to live on the wharf, to cook with all the fresh seafood. I ended up like completely forgetting what I had moved out there for and just kind of got immersed in the, the, the first job that I got out there. And then that led to my first sous chef job on the island and I was working at Wharfside Eatery, which is right on the wharf downtown Victoria. And we would do like ridiculous amounts of volume and it was all fresh seafood, cooked seafood. And it just, I just remember that being one of the busiest lines and most challenging lines I've ever worked on. Still to this day, one of the jobs that I had for, uh, for about six years was I was the executive chef at Lizard Creek Lodge in Fernie, uh, British Columbia. It was a four and a half diamond resort restaurant right on the hill. So, the chairlift was like literally out the back door of the patio. Was it like either you were in the kitchen or on the hill? So I'm not gonna lie, I'm a bit of a work of a workaholic and I think I always have been. So work always came first. And so if I got a couple days of riding in or a couple days of biking in the full days, that'd be amazing. But it was really like in the, sh in the shoulder season when the, the winter tourism started dying down right before the summer season picked up, I'd get my days in. And, and in the summertime, you know, we'd have some, usually a few hours in the day. How did you 
shift and what brought you back to this side of the Rockies? Well, I, I had done, I think everything I'd wanted to in the area with cooking and I was looking and I had done some food and beverage management at a resort uh, up by Jasper in the, in the Icefields Parkway there. And I learned, I'd, wanted to learn the front end of the restaurant industry just so that I could kind of have all bases because ultimately I wanted to own a restaurant one day started thinking about what creative ways I could do to apply the love of the culinary piece and the food service industry but not have to have you know that chef or food and beverage manager job that takes away all of your time and energy and effort I didn't want to do that per se for the rest of my life so I started I had a seasonal job that fortunately paid me year-round after after Lizard Creek and Fernie and it allowed me to get really creative with my time in the off season and so I started doing some restaurant consulting so I would work for uh, restaurants in Banff and Canmore, um, Calgary, Red Deer, pretty much all over central Alberta where if they needed menu development or assistance with uh, restaurant innovation or renovations I would just add you know some support and input from uh, from a chef or a food and beverage standpoint being a restaurant consultant like that's not something that you'd look into like a, a syllabus or a catalog of a, of no. a university or a, or a college or a community college or anything like how do you get into that line of work i think i might have invented the job description it's not something typical but i, had, I developed a bit of a you know a decent reputation for myself and i had time so i was looking for extra work and then the demand started to show up and i started being able to pick and choose the projects that were available to me in that off season. When I was doing the consulting business, I had come across the self-employment program. It was called at the time and community futures West had the, the contract for it, I guess. So that's when I decided to give up my day job because I was making enough money on this uh, consulting gig, but the community futures piece allowed you to, to, to still have that job but then to go into this program that would allow you to kind of show you the, I guess the template of how to be self-employed or, or become a, an entrepreneur, so to speak. And it got to the point where I moved on from the, from the day job, built a template on what my hourly rate would be and what my, what the deliverables that I could offer would be. So it, it kind of happened really quickly and really uh, took on a life of its own. But within, you know, within a few months of, of doing it, I had three projects going on and it was occupying all my time and I really loved that period in my life. You mentioned Red Deer, you mentioned Banff and Canmore and Calgary. At this point, where were you based out of? I had moved back to Canmore at the time with my girlfriend at the time. Canmore is where I grew up, so it's where I wanted to start a business in. It's certainly a hospitality town, so there was a lot of restaurants. Certainly not a manufacturing town, um, but it ended up being where we, we would stay anyways. Canmore was the home base. I traveled quite a bit. While I was doing the consulting thing, uh, I would go as far as Edmonton pretty regularly because they have the, the AFPDC facility there. So it's um, the Alberta Food Processing and Development Center, the creme de la creme of food processing and pilot processing. It's where a lot of the um, food testing, food science happens. Uh, it's like the Western Canadian hub for that. And from that point, it really opened my eyes to like maybe getting into the sauce business and maybe getting into having a product line that I could sell to a lot of the restaurants that I was having relationships with. So the introduction to that facility got me up there for an introduction meeting to understand how to formulate recipes. Instead of cooking, you become a processor. Like I, I was really fascinated by how you would take a, you know, a restaurant recipe 
and try and maintain the integrity of what that recipe is, you know, with like the, the process and the ingredients and then how to learn how to formulate that into a, you know, essentially a processed good, but how to keep the integrity of still being like a, a chef created recipe. So that was the challenge that I had was like, that's, that's how I kind of had like the, that was the mission statement of how do I make manufactured goods taste like they came from your restaurant. And so there's a ton of insights and information that I gained from the scientists at Leduc and then just applying like my culinary standpoint to it. So I learned that process over a six month period at the AFPDC in Leduc while taking part in the self-employment program with Community Futures and while doing consulting jobs to subsidize my, my living. When did you sleep? There wasn't a lot of sleep at that time, but you know what? That was my first taste of really understanding what maybe being an entrepreneur could be. So I gave myself like a five-year plan. I was like, look, if I'm going to try and see what working for myself is all about, I'm going to burn the candle at both ends and do everything I can to see if it works. And if it doesn't, at the end of the five-year plan, I'll just go back to working in the regular world. So I didn't give myself a lot of time for sleep, but I didn't really need it at the time either. I I I think I was 30 years old. I was super hungry and ambitious. And so sleep wasn't really like the top of my list. I don't even know if it was on my list. I actually leased the kitchen in the Olds Legion in Olds, Alberta, which is kind of like the halfway point between here and Edmonton. And I, I would use that kitchen in my downtime to create like what would end up becoming the first five SKUs for Bow Valley Barbecue. Had you already kind of created these sauces and then it was fine tuning or was this, was this kind of like starting from scratch? Instead of thinking like I would now, like what's missing on the market, what voids need to be filled, you know, where, where do I have a competitive edge? I just felt like I could do a really good job of something at the time. I wasn't quite thinking like a business person yet. I was thinking 100% like a, like a, like a chef. So what I did was I, I kind of just figured out what I thought would be like a broad enough offering to have five SKUs. I think it was at seven at first, and then I kind of streamed it down to five, but it was, you wanted a salsa, a steak sauce, barbecue sauce, hot sauce, and a spice rub. Honestly, the five products that we've had since 2012 on the market were created in the same day, in the same old Legion kitchen, just playing around with like an idea of what I thought the line should be. And I mean, I had a background in, like I had cooked for years, so I knew you know, what, what I thought would work and what wouldn't and what I was going for. But it was really all kind of conceived in one day and it just kind of worked out. So I would bottle it in mason jars and package it. And then I would ship it out to like the back door of a few restaurants in Canmore. The, the couple restaurants that I was consulting with would use it periodically. And then um, I did a couple markets here and there. That's how, that's really literally how we started making sauces. Through the Growing Forward grant, by learning the culinary food science part at Leduc, I actually got um, a pilot processing grant so that I could formulate and produce those five SKUs um, that, we, that were the beginning of Bow Valley Barbecue. I actually rented a store smart unit in Cochrane, and I would rent a U-Haul truck to pick up all of the produced inventory in Leduc from our first couple of runs. I'd get to the store smart unit at about three in the morning, because we'd be in, I'd be in Leduc all day producing, and then I'd load up on the truck, and then I'd drive it from Edmonton to to Cochrane, where the store smart unit was, where you would like put your furniture before you moved, kind of thing. 
And like, how did you have it organized? Was it shelves? Was it just boxes? Like, what did it look like? Well, no, because with uh, with producing in the Duke, you had to produce a certain amount of volume, which is which is why it's hard to bridge that gap from making it yourself to making it in the Duke. Because each SKU, you have to produce. I think it was roughly 500 cases of each. So we'd have like two or three pallets of each SKU. So I'd I'd have like 12 pallets in the U-Haul. <laughs> And then the thing is, we didn't have a forklift or a loading base, so we'd have to hand bomb all of the product off of the U-Haul and rebuild it on pallets in the StoreSmart unit. Did that, like seeing those full pallets with that many bottles of sauce, did it overwhelm you about having to figure out how you're going to move all of it? I just felt like if I started worrying about that, then I'd probably get distracted. So honestly, that whole period of like three to four years. And I know it sounds kind of like, I don't know, cliche probably, but like it was, you just had to keep looking forward. You couldn't really worry about what ifs and stuff. It was just, we had inventory and I, it had a, you know, it had a 12 month shelf life. So I, I had six months roughly to move it. And so there was just a good feeling about having inventory, you know, I was like, whoa, we're, we're doing something real here. Cause we've got product to sell. Now I got to go sell it. And that would be like our, a staging warehouse for distributing that month's worth of product. So then the rest of the month I'd be out hustling to restaurants first to get them to buy and pick up our products and then start doing markets here and there. Canmore is tons of markets now, but back then, you know, they'd have a Christmas market at the high school. There'd be the farmer's market in the summer where we rented a, a tent for the season. And so it'd really be like once or twice a week, but they did the bath market for a couple of years, the Canmore market for a couple of years. And then the random markets here and there. I think Springbank, one in Calgary. Um, so I'd be on the move with the tent in the back and some inventory. And we'd do a couple of those here and there. But most of our business was um, the back door at restaurants, you know, selling them a case of mason jars. When nobody knows who you are and you don't have labels, and there's very few stores that are going to put you on their shelf, let alone, you know, you're not going to see a lot of movement necessarily. It was still in mason jars. We finally started getting the retail bottles after we built enough of the food service volume with the pails and jars after the first year in Leduc. So we, we did from 2013 to 2014 was all food service and then still had some mason jars. And then after that, we had some traction. We had developed a label. We had gotten CFI approval on it. So they're the ones that control, you know, what the criteria is for having a product certified to be on the market. And we launched our first, uh, our first bottled product at the beginning of 2014. So then we had double the inventory because we had, you know, so many SKUs of bottles and the same amount of SKUs were in pails too. So then there was a little more pressure to move product a little quicker. That was probably 2000, end of 2013 when we actually had product coming out of the Duke that I could sell. And then 2014, started looking at buying Boccalino Fine Foods, which is the salad dressing company that comes from Canmore. Um, when I started working at the pepper mill when I was 12 years old, there was a restaurant down the road called Boccalino Brado. And that's where the Boccalino fine food salad dressing company came from. It was a Swiss uh, chef and his wife that started selling Swiss dressing out of the restaurant, picked up a cult following, and then they ended up shutting down the restaurant in the late 90s to focus full time on selling the dressing. I realized that Boccalino might be for sale. So I talked to the owners. They had a little facility with a manufacturing plant here and a warehouse in Canmore, which is now our main development center and warehouse. 
We ended up purchasing Bacalino Fine Foods at the beginning of 2015 with the help of Community Futures and moved all of our operations to Canmore. And at the time, that's when I had the opportunity to hire our second employee, which ended up being uh, my longtime friend and, and now partner, Christine, who's also um, the lead of our development team now. And we were making dressings now and the barbecue line. So the dressings, they had a fair amount of existing business and relationships. They were being sold at Co-op and Sobeys and Overweighty, Savon. So we wanted to leverage those relationships that I had just kind of purchased when purchasing Bacalino to get Bow Valley Barbecue introduced to those mainstream markets. Within three months, we outgrew the Canmore facility and we, we moved in with our first co-packer to where we couldn't produce everything in Canmore like we had thought. We thought we'd be good for like two or three years where Chris and I could make everything here, you know, run the business and, and we wouldn't outgrow that for what our three-year plan at the time looked like. Only being able to produce the dressing here if we were going to keep up with the dressings. Moving to our first production partner in El Molino, El Molino Foods in Claire's Home, Alberta. We started producing all the barbecue sauces there as well as in Canmore. And then eventually all the Bacalino dressings were produced here as well as in Claire's Home as well. So we had essentially two facilities producing product full time. By 2017, we had actually outgrown the co-packer at El Molino Foods and we needed to build on a relationship with a third co-packer. So we, we found Apex Foods in Abbotsford where they were able to take on a bunch of our production. So throughout 2017, we produced all of our product lines for Bow Valley and Bacalino at our Canmore facility, at Claire's home in Alberta, and at Abbotsford in British Columbia. So we had three production facilities running full-time to, to meet the growth that we were going through with the two brands. How much are we talking about here? From, um, from 2016 to 2017, we went from producing, I think it was 3,000 liters a month of each brand to producing 40,000 liters a month of each brand. So I went, I went pretty crazy. So what we also did at the time too, was we, we, we wanted to really showcase innovation. Between 2016 and the beginning of 2018, we had launched single serve packets, new bottles, new SKUs. We launched three new Bacalino flavors and then five new flavors that were in single serve pouches. And then Bow Valley Barbecue, we, we introduced the, the killer ketchup, the Bow Grizzly and the total jerk sauce. So a lot happened in that time. And that's why in November of 2017, we did our first venture capital deal with Arlene Dickinson and, um, and District Ventures Capital. So Sauce Boss became the private label uh, development side of what we do. So we, we innovate and develop premium product lines for a lot of the Canadian grocers, a lot of food service companies, and we, we now have, like, to date, we have 36 product lines currently on the market through Sauce Boss. So you might see, like, a, the best example is at Federated Co-op, you'll see Co-op Gold barbecue sauces or Co-op Gold salad dressings. And there's a little hidden symbol, kind of like a little Illuminati symbol that says Sauce Boss on it. And that, that means that we're the ones that make it. Yeah, we have the, our Sauce Boss symbol has a Latin insignia on it. That means the secret behind the sauce. So we love having fun with that kind of stuff. You know, we have a non-disclosure for most of them, but I, we, can, we produce product for most of the Canadian grocers 
prominent food service companies like restaurant groups. We, we don't feel like we're selling them products. We feel like we're partners with them. And that's kind of the main difference. And that's kind of what makes us unique is we're all about innovation. We're all about relationships. And if we don't have something that you're looking for, and we feel like we do most of the time, but if we don't, then we can work with you on finding something that works for you. And that allows us to kind of evolve on current market trends, where the where markets are going and, and how to stay up on things. So we're super proud of those relationships. And those relationships in turn have helped our brands grow, like Bow Valley and Boccalino. We had also introduced our fourth brand, uh, Parkway in 2018, which is a beverage line, non-GMO, fully registered, gluten-free uh, mixology line. Um, the main skew is our Parkway Caesar mix, which is like uh, the equivalent to like a Klopkraft Clamato juice. It just happens to be made with like no animal materials, no no MSG, any of that stuff, but it tastes just like a Caesar should taste. So we've got that fourth brand and we've got a fourth facility, which is one of our main partners now, which is Giraffe Foods in Mississauga. So we produce uh, a lot of our Eastern Canadian content in Eastern Canada now as well. What's next for you folks? Well, our, our next um, big, hairy, audacious goal, I guess, it would be to build enough of this Canadian traction to go into the U.S. We've done a lot of the award circuits in the U.S. Like we've we've done the World Hot Sauce Awards in Louisiana, the Hot Pepper Awards in Brooklyn, World Series of Barbecue uh, in Missouri. We've done uh, the um, the more hipster kind of artisan awards, so like the uh, the spicy flavor awards, the artisan flavor awards. We've actually won over now. I think we're up to ninety awards in the U.S. Um, we've won awards for Parkway. We've won awards for Bogalai Barbecue for the whole line. Um, and so we want to see that traction build and then we want to transfer that into, um, into sales in the US. So we've got uh, our sites set on some specific strategic areas in the next two years, and then we want to see that hopefully grow from there. Does that mean that you'll have to get production, you know, if things move ahead, that you'll be moving production into the States as well? Yeah, I think we, we, we'd never go away from the Canadian production, but we'd probably enhance our abilities. Um, we do have production partners lined up in California to start with. Um, you know, it's just with, with COVID and everything that's happened, we've maybe taken a step back and just kind of been a little more calculated in our planning. Uh, we certainly don't want to rush anything. But as long as things are continuing to grow the way they are in Canada, then we should be well positioned to, um, to enter the States on a larger scale in the next maybe two, two to three years for sure. And then... Um, with our branding and our marketing, we really started working with a lot of North American partnerships. Like we, we work with a lot of uh, MMA UFC fighters, professional athletes that, that will wear our brand in, in, in their performances and that use our products. And that, that's kind of how across all of our brands, you can have that healthy lifestyle, you can meet all the dietary trends and you can still have you know, delicious food as part of your life. And, and there's no better way to represent that than with like high profile athletes repping your stuff. So we're happy to say that we're seeing that growth on the marketing end of things and seeing our brand on some high profile athletes, uh, both in Canada and the US. And so hopefully that helps us build that traction into uh, a successful launch in the US in the next couple of years. That's Bow Valley Barbecue's Jamie Ailes, sharing his homemade recipe for building a thriving business in small town Alberta. You can find out more about the company headquartered in Canmore at bowvalleybarbecue.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Your Rural Business. Brought to you by Community Futures Centre West. 
Find out more about how we support homegrown entrepreneurs at centerwest.albertacf.com. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Mind Your Rural Business is produced and hosted by me, Sarah Hoyles, with theme music by Scott Holmes.